Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mystic Junkies podcast, the history of mystery comedy show. And uh, today we're, we're continuing our series on cults. I uh, hope you've been following along and enjoying our content so far. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with this, I think, right, guys? We've uh, yeah, done yeah. a lot of, oh, yeah. found a lot, found out a lot of new things about cults. Mm-hmm. And this one's no different, but kind of is, because when we've covered some of the other cults, they all kind of follow a similar path, and they have the same kind of motives and uh, stuff like that. And this one's a little bit different. I feel like it's the Manson family, which. I'll be honest with you, I didn't think of them as a cult until we started doing this series, but they definitely are a cult. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Um, in fact, I, some people describe them as a gang as well. Oh, yeah, I, like would, they, I would say that. They participated in very much gang-like activity as well. Right. And uh, But, yeah, I think that this one's a little bit different. They, they, they kind of had different motives, even the leader himself, Manson. I, I feel like he was a different kind of a cult leader. Um, definitely had this big idea, which was, we know, was to incite a race war. Um, and he openly was saying that to uh, his constituents and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, let's start at the beginning and let's get a little bit maybe into his personal life. Or where do we want to start here? Well, Charles Manson, he, he always had a troubled childhood. He was born in yeah. 1934, spent much of his life in juvenile reformatories or in prison for crimes such as petty larceny, armed robbery, burglary and auto theft. And actually, he was just released from prison in 1967 when he moved to San Fran, and that's when he started to attract a small following. And I guess uh, he would attract people with uh, teachings on the occult as well as science fiction and what's called fringe psychology. Fun. And I had to look up what fringe psychology means because I'm like, yeah, that's so broad and vague at the same time, right? So it's when things are based more on conclusion than knowledge, fringe psychology. So he preached about the apocalyptic race war and his hold on his followers was so strong that they would carry out several murders on his orders. And one of the most famous that we've all probably heard about in some form or another was in 1969, the most famous victim was actress Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. And she was the wife of film director Roman Polanski. And they were killed in their very lavish and and, uh, very expensive L.A. home, along with three other guests that were staying with Sharon. It all went down in the summer of 1969. Roman, her husband, was actually out of town. He was in Europe, probably filming something. And she was eight months pregnant. Mm, So she stayed home. They had their guests, which um, both Roman and Sharon were friends with. And that was Wojciech Fryskowski. Frykowski, as well as his girlfriend, which was the coffee heiress, Abigail Folger. Mm. They were staying with Sharon. So uh, Sharon also had a celebrity hairstylist that was also hanging out that evening. Okay. One of the unfortunate things was when these members of the family arrived to the property that night, they had encountered a man by the name of Stephen Parent. He was an 18-year-old who this is so unfortunate, but he was just visiting the estate's caretaker in the guest house when he was approached by these people and they shot Stephen to death. Jeez. He was just visiting, Long he was place, just on the, the premises and then he got shot to death. Um, they were approaching the main house 
and they gathered all the people into the living area. So that was Sharon, um, the two house guests, and Jay Sebring. And they tied Sharon and Jay Sebring together, ropes around their necks. Sebring was shot and stabbed to death. Frakowski and Folger somehow managed to free themselves and were running away. They were fleeing the house when they were chased down and killed like in the front yard or in the driveway. Um, and then so they finally, were there to finish the job. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't there to okay. mess around. Supposedly, wow. I guess Charles had told them to kill everyone inside as gruesomely as they could. Yes. That wow. is. That's that's to terrifying. Send a message, right? Yeah. So it was. It was a, for a message. Yeah. All right. It was. It was something. Something. Um, Didn't they? They drew a, a message in blood. They Correct. did. Uh, I think. I don't know if she was the last one who was killed, but Sharon was fatally stabbed. Uh, again, she was eight months pregnant, so that's just so sad. And the blood, her blood, was used to write the word pig on the front door. It was Susan Atkins who wrote that. I'll tell you about her later. Okay. 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 Um, apparently, Charles Manson was very familiar with the property because it was formerly owned by Terry Melcher who had earlier considered him for recording contract, but then later decided against it. Right. So yeah. maybe was, it was also like a vindictive thing, like huh. a vengeful thing, because he was mad that he didn't get a recording contract. But um, he was familiar because Terry used to own that house. And I guess by the end of the year, all of the killers had been arrested. The trial of Manson and his followers attracted obvious national attention. In 71, Manson and all of his, um, fought, well, the four murderers, his followers, were sentenced to death, but a weird law changed in 72 in California, so capital punishment was then changed to life in prison. Mm. Okay. They requested parole, which of course, it was denied, denied yeah, obviously, right? So these murders <laughs> have inspired numerous Sorry. books and Hollywood movies. Yeah. It, it was horrible. It's just funny to request parole when you've carved a swastika in your forehead. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like tough. Ground, sir. Yeah, I'm not really going to look well at the board meeting. You know? <laughs> right. Wow. Um, it's, you mentioned his past. It, there was, was there any real violent crimes that he was arrested for before any of this stuff? Cause I, I saw like petty theft, like grand larceny, stuff like that. Um, he shot a guy in the stomach once. Okay. That was a little, uh, that was, was a little rough. Um, uh, let's you know if you got and, and I think it's going back to why how do you end up with a Charles Manson right you know well you end up with a Charles Manson because you you have a child who has been physically emotionally abused mm -hmm. since he was born you know his mother uh, his mother was 15 years old when he was born he never knew his father uh, his mother was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she particularly abused him, but she abandoned him. Um, and uh, he ended up living with an aunt and uncle. Um, and at a very early age, as Twee already said, he was already committing enough petty crimes and things like that that he was constantly in and out of some type of detention center. As, a, as a kid? As a kid. Mm. From the time he was a kid, he was in de these detention centers. And back then, I mean, these detention centers were horror shows. Mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, there's stories of him being uh, uh, raped, multiply raped, uh, beaten, 
um, you know, uh, uh, by not only other kids and, and the inmate, you know, the kids, but but actually with the help of the of the uh, uh, people of authority, the, the people of authority that were yeah. there, um, you know. So this is this is a you can see how this is a child that grew up in a way that there's no empathy because he was never he, he doesn't even know what that is, mm -hmm, right. you know. So there's no empathy for him. So it literally this is a kid that is just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. I mean, by the time he was 13, 14 years old, he was he was escaping every time he could escape. Mm -hmm. Anytime he could get out, he was getting out and living on the streets. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was being, severely a, being a criminal to live yeah. on the streets. I mean, you know, so he's just, he's just uh, in a sense, trying to survive. And uh, and of course that brain is just being scrambled. Yeah, fight and or flight always. Fight or yeah. flight always. Yeah. And uh, and he uh, and he's smart enough. It, they found right that he had a, a above average. He wasn't no genius, but above average intelligence. He was you know his IQ was one oh nine. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. So yeah. So but so he's smart enough. You know to uh, he was illiterate too. Did you know that? Yes. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, because... He wasn't in school. Yeah, he never no, went to school. Yeah, no place to learn it. Yeah, no yeah. I know he was a master manipulator, and you got to wonder that he probably picked that skill up just in his early teens. And Absolutely. To survive. Yeah, to, to survive, right. Right. So he knew... I read something where he knew exactly what to say to somebody to like either tickle their fancy or to to assert dominance he pretty much knew how to read somebody right off the bat and well i think going them. back to you go you go i don't i don't think i think and we've said this before here's here's a guy that is the epitome of evil if you want to say that you know sure. of, of evil of what we would think of as evil right but you go was he born that way no he in a sense he was because what he was born into but he was a product of his right. childhood. Yeah. He was a product of society. We, uh, uh, society, put puts children in situations where you where how can you be surprised that someone turns into that kind of an adult when this is yeah. what there was nothing to catch that kid. You know what I mean? There was nothing, nothing to catch. Yeah, it's, that kid. it's not like he had some brain disorder or a chemical imbalance. No. This is this is what are the nature versus nurture argument, right? Correct, correct, man. You know, it was interesting that you said that he was a product of society because his his last words when he was, when he died was, "I'm the most famous person alive." So he, I really do think like I don't necessarily agree if I think that it wasn't some chemical imbalance or disorder i think he truly was a narcissist through and through like i think that maybe he turned into that way because it's clear like anybody <coughs> who looks at people sees their weaknesses identifies those weaknesses as a way to manipulate someone i th and then is like i'm your leader now listen to me mm -hmm. if i i will have all your answers i think that's that's a narcissistic personality in itself and i think a lot of like I think a lot of the stuff that I found out about him, about how weird he was and like how he was very much like into the helter skelter stuff and mm -hmm. we all know about that. For me, I didn't realize that that was 
as serious as it was like for growing up from being a kid i thought it was a cd like in my reality yeah. i heard of a Helter cd Skelter. yeah and this was a learning this entire process was a learning experience for me because it was like a cd and then i remember briefly like there was like a scary movie about it and i didn't i didn't realize that it was as severe and i think with him he didn't believe in sanity in general and like what i found out is he very much is a product of society but he is the outskirts of society one of his most famous quotes is sanity is a small box insanity is everything mm -hmm. so like it's 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 why it's hard for me to follow this guy because he he wants you to believe that he is sane, sane but right. he also is telling you that sanity is a small box and insanity is everything so like i'm just very confused by this character and the more that i learned about him just made me more more and more confused to be honest with you and like i know i don't like the guy at all because i don't like the style of manipulation and identifying weaknesses and like all his followers just seems like people who've all gone through trauma yeah and he's then, picking people just like him yeah and yeah. it was just kind of it's kind of crazy and like the fact that like he, he carved a swastika in his in his head like, as did a lot of his followers when they were doing the trials yeah and they like all had crosses in their head and i am like you want me to believe that that's sane but that's also insane and it's just like where where are we going where where are we going and i just i i'm just very confused about charles manson and him and like he just checks off all the boxes of like what someone says when they're 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 very much struggling like it sounds like he turned to drugs f for comfort because there's no there was no comfort in his life he went through the situation like i think that you'll touch on it a little bit with like in jail and being manipulated by the government through some like experimentations while he was in jail for his petty theft crimes but yeah like, there's a lot of interesting there's stuff there's some weird there's some i listened to a podcast by joe rogan and he interviewed this guy who wrote a book about it and i won't get into it but it's like three and a half hours of like charles manson's like detailed stuff about yeah. how like charles manson is totally a product of like experimentation and what i can't figure out was like because he's so crazy was the government manipulating this guy or was he just some crazy narcissist who's like i think i'm on to something i'm really we'll kind of get to that so i don't know media. i don't know well, well where should I, we start with that should yeah we, like should we get into the cult now well i've got information on a couple of his members yeah what yeah. you got Their what you got i just was very confused <laughs> they were like, pretty barbaric themselves you know yes yeah well this one, Susan Atkins, she mm -hmm. came from a middle class family. Mm -hmm. She's the second of three children to John and Jean, who were alcoholics. So her okay. parents were alcoholics. Mm -hmm. she, were, she moved around from, at the age of 13, she, the whole family, well, her mum died of cancer, sorry. Her mum died of cancer okay. in 64. She would have been about 16 years old then. Um, her mother died, and at that point, family members were helping to take care of her, but they didn't really want to, and her dad, he checked out. Um, they eventually moved when she was um, 20, 21, I believe. 
Okay. She decided to go to California with some of her friends from school, three friends. That's where she met Manson mm-hmm. uh, and in a house. That he was playing guitar and stuff. And she was a loyal, loyal member. Yeah. She, she, she helped with the Tate murders. She helped with Gary Hinman. Um, and she eventually was the one that got them caught because she ran her mouth after they got arrested at one point. Mm. Like the house where they were living got raided um, and they were arrested. She started singing to a couple of, couple of cellmates who told the guards. Like and literally the cellmates, singing? Or, not, oh, I, I thought you meant like she no, was just singing. No. Well, she just they had that told weird scene of them holding all of her antics, like helping with okay. the tape murders. That's where she was saying that she wrote Pig in... Um, Chad and Tate's blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she was just like bragging to yeah. everybody. Yeah. Which is, by the way, that's how most murders are solved, by the way. Because they just can't keep their mouth There's shut. always somebody that can't well, keep their mouth Well, the two women shut. in the cell that she reported it to, that she told, they ended up getting 25000 reward money mm-hmm. for helping oh. her put them away. But. Oh, well. And one of the, the youngest member, um, Diane Lake, she was 14 at the time when she joined. And... Um, she was from her family actually weren't one alcoholics or anything well not at the beginning her dad was a artist um he wanted to go to berkeley so he he traded he didn't even sell the house he traded the house for a trailer a 23 foot trailer to take him to berkeley so that he could do a master's in art he wanted his art degree but the car couldn't pull the trailer and it broke down like 20 miles away so they ended up living in a trailer park and then um, he got helped out the dad got helped out with a studio which were doing okay for a couple of years but he was a smoker and the studio burnt down so then he got all depressed and um, at this time she was 13 12 13 okay and dad was out there drinking and stuff and at 14 years old she met Manson and joined the commune at and 14 14 yeah, she was very, the youngest member and she actually was the one who she was the key witness in the trials the 14 year old oh, she wow. ended up being taken in by the officer one of the officers that uh, raided it won't until okay so after the murders I think it were Tex showed a, a newspaper saying like we did this and keep your mouth shut kind of threatening like mm-hmm. and she was scared to say anything she's like if they can kill strangers they can easily kill her she's only 14 years old what does she know you know right so um Gosh, it wasn't until the the place got raided twice within a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and it was on the second raid that she got she got arrested like the the night of the murders, she was uh, she was in jail. She wasn't there at the night of the murders. She'd already been arrested. And then when she got let go, he showed her the paper, and she's like, "Okay, I'm not gonna. How can I get away from here? I can't get away." Right, right. So it wasn't until the second raid when she got arrested and separated from everybody that she told them. So she worked that, with the police, the prosecutor, yeah. prosecutors. She was the okay. key witness in the trial that okay. ended up putting them all away. Wow. Yeah. And she was 16 at the time. 
because like she'd been with him for two years. So all of this with his cold, this all transpired in like three, two or three two, years. Two, three years, yeah. Like all of this chaos yeah. just happened. There's a lot of things leading up to it too, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they were staying on the place called Spawn Ranch, yeah. which they, I believe they kind of took over from George Spawn. Yeah, right? they were helping him he, out. Like he was, um, he, he was, was okay. getting older. He, I guess, I, I think he was kind of not all there though yes exactly and uh they were so very old he thought they were helping him yeah yes. and uh, like taking care of the land helping yeah. him uh-huh. and, uh, oh, taking okay. care taking of the care farm of his land. Health, really oh they were yeah. like literally taking care of one him. of a, one of the members he was convinced that they were was yeah. um supposedly yeah. Yeah. looking oh. after there's a lot of that a lot of, uh, yeah. a lot of like trading going on with these guys mm-hmm. um no money more barter yeah uh and, and the, that's what like what we were talking about with um uh the waco cult there's people that had great income in that cult and this one was mostly counterculture this was mm-hmm. young kids off the Steven, streets going out they were robbing. useful mm-hmm. they would go out and do things to get money but they were they you know there was no there's no like a class system here no like right. no hierarchy of wealth go out there and earn money and bring it back to the church nothing like that going mm-hmm. on it was it was a gang. It, it was more of a gang, I would say. It okay. felt like a gang. And then once you started to apply an ideology, that's when it, I think it starts to form it's into a cult. Like, and he's now we should talk about the fact that he used methamphetamines and he used LSD um, himself, obviously. But he also would, would dope or would dose most of his um, his his family, as you I guess you call them the family. His family mm. likes yeah. that, right? Like that rant, they were about it. He would right? go on rants mm-hmm. for hours and hours, and and there's a f- certain element of you could say it was mind control, and it was it was mind control using mind alter alter uh, altering drugs, mm-hmm. which is so much more powerful, you know. And, and I'm talking high doses of LSD, not like let's go to a fucking concert, guys, have some fun. Like, like, like dangerous levels of LSD to to children too, to people under the yeah. age of eighteen. That's some, that's you know. crazy. Yeah, I mean, when you don't have a when you don't really have a full idea of the world, this man would be able to shape your reality pretty easily with those kind of drugs. It sounds like they're also looking for some type of I hate to say it this way, but some type of father figure as well in this yeah. this very family. artistic family. The Manson family. Family man, yeah, right. is doing um, all the things. Like I said, he was a master manipulator. He knew how to. I saw one. I don't. This is kind of funny, but it was uh, there was some guy. He basically told him he he was manipulating him with the women of the cult. He was letting the women sleep with this guy, and I think they were trying to get money out of this guy. Um, but one thing he said to him to try to like tickle his fancy was basically like uh, like the reason why you keep all the girls around because you have a big penis. So like this appealed to the guy, like that just kept him in the loop and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So he like, he found he always found his way. He knew how to press people, right? You know, and people that were not really in the cult either. Like, you know, he this, so he's like, I like your day. And he was an <laughs> industry, right? He was like an industry man too. Like in the in the sense of like he knew a lot of people in this in this California industry. Like right. he was, you know, he was he was a failed musician, stuff like that. Right. Um. The thing that I always found so peculiar was that, like, like we were talking about, it seemed like there was a point. I don't know what, if we could find like the exact point, but it seemed like he kind of goes off the beaten path and starts like a vindictive type of behavior, mm-hmm. where he's exacting vengeance on people that fucked him over, where he's using his family, his cult, to like to go and kill people or, or hurt or, or hurt or harm people that 
that he had a personal vendetta against, which I don't know why he did that, you know? It's like he truly snapped. Like, you could say he yeah. probably wasn't sane in the first place, but his insaneness, like, He's taking copious amounts of LSD as well. It so. had to be the cause of it. Yeah. I mean, or, well, or do you think it was an incident? I think it was all of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think what, I mean, I think you have to take the culture of the time yeah. into how this all came about. And I think that I'm the only one who was kind of a teenager during that. Yeah, yeah, right. You you have you have up until up until '65, you have a culture that is very rigid, very strict, mm-hmm. very conservative, very evangelical Christian church culture. Okay, and all the which was heaped in sexism and racism to the 10th damn power. It was a white Christian, you know, uh, country. And, 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 uh, and, and the powers to be had their, well, the Vietnam War started and the Civil Rights Movement, which was all bubbling at the same time. Mm-hmm. It opened up this counterculture, what they called movement okay Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you had young people expressing themselves in ways that had no one had ever seen in this country before Mm -hmm. and um and so you had all kinds of weird offshoot kind of shit going on Mm -hmm. i mean really you know they would uh, i know people that talked about actually being in haight ashbury in san francisco the flower children the flat they said it it, it it was glamorized that way but it really looked like a homeless camp okay. it was very it was. smelly and right. dirty and funky and yeah. but but it was just you, you know it was you know that that drop out you know drop drop in drop out you know kind of attitude so it was there was a part of the young, the youth movement a part of the youth movement that was rebelling against the establishment, the establishment, mm-hmm. and the biggest part of it, I think, more than civil rights, was the Vietnam War. Yes, and so there was there was this huge movement that way, and then the drugs popped in, mm-hmm. and we'd never seen drugs being done in mass like this. Okay, so you had all these Timothy Learys and you know these different people popping up that were you know very vocal. And we're, we're spouting these, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, th- these new ways of thinking. And, and creating these big groups of people that were so drawn to anything. Just looking for something. Anything, anything. So all of a sudden you have, a, a, here's Charles Manson. He's, he's, a, he's a criminal. He's a stone fucking criminal. Uh, he is a product, product of the streets. He is uh, uh, he, he's a survivor, and he's charismatic. Okay, he has learned through his development how to be charismatic, probably as a survival skill mm-hmm. more than anything else. Now, here's a guy that comes from nothing, from nothing, nothing. Okay, all of a sudden he's out in California, and all this shit's happening. He wants to be a musician, so he wants to do something. He works his way into into uh, uh, Dennis Wilson's home. 
The Beach Boys. The fucking <clears throat> Beach Boys are the biggest shit out there. You know, one of them. Yeah, right? absolutely. And he and some of the family, like, he's already created mm-hmm. a, some of the group, some followers, which are mostly young women. Mm-hmm. And... He's made his way. Some he got a chance meeting, I think, with Dennis's manager or agent, and got in the house. And somehow Dennis liked this weird fucking group, and they're 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 hanging in his fucking house. Right. And you know he actually gets a song <coughs> published on one of their albums. You yeah. know, and thinks I'm sh- you know so he's. Now he, you take, here's this guy finally is now going, I'm finally somebody. I'm getting some attention and I've got a little group. I've got a little group of young women that, that I'm starting to control. Let's grab another one. Let's grab another one. Let's grab another one. Let's grab another one. You know, and he's, and then he took, he took, from what I understand, he got into Scientology very early on. Uh, Which is the strange? Then he, he loved that science fiction uh, novel, Str- Stranger in a Strange Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Scientology, Stranger in a Strange Land, lyrics from the Beatles, mm-hmm. okay, and the Bible, he took all of those <coughs> and through bastardizing that those met those concepts m- concepts, he created his own message. Which to, and you look at all these people that were his followers, these are also disturbed young people looking for something. They're runaways. In a lot of cases, they're looking for protection. Mm-hmm. They're looking for somebody who's going to feed and clothe them, who's going to put them in a house. Purpose. And once they're in there, it's like play the game. Yeah. And, and, and play the game. And I think that it just became a domino effect mm-hmm. of him getting that. And then he, through that, he got the right little group of people. Oh, yeah. All people ain't going to go kill for you. Right. That's a rare group. Mm-hmm. But he found uh, Tex, who, Charles Tex Watson, That's who was a high school, standout high school athlete, went to college was in a fraternity, was visiting California, seeing one of his damn frat brothers. Not the type of person you think is going to go fucking kill people, but he was. And also some of the girls were of, you know, were, had that mindset, however that worked out. And I think a lot of it with Manson to me was I can see him, you know, more and more now, He's, he's getting more emboldened and more emboldened and more pumped up. Call it narcissism or whatever. Okay. He's getting more pumped. He, he's finally getting, you know, he, he's somebody. His he's somebody. Are being confirmed. Exactly right. And so it, there's a part of it, and he's not the only one that did. A lot of these colors, I think there's a part of it goes, let's see how far we can take this. Right. How far can I get these people to go? What will they do for me? And I'm sure in his mind, he's never going to prison for this because he ain't doing that. He I didn't do, well, I, I didn't do I nothing, man. There's a fun aspect of that, too, though. 